Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is for Argentina to take a 1-0 lead in the semi-final. Emiliano Martinez at the other end can't look. Dominic Livakovic, the goalkeeper. Lionel Messi, left-footed strike, blasts it into the back of the net. And Argentina have a 1-0 lead. So a poorly taken corner for Croatia. And now Argentina counter-attacking. Here goes Alvarez. He's got help left and right. Alvarez keeps on going inside the box. There was a touch that comes in. Alvarez! He's put it away! He ran the length of the field. And just as the move was coming unstuck, the rebound fell back to him, and he's poked it past the goalkeeper. 3-0 overnight it was to Argentina. Let's get a World Cup update. Thanks to Kraken, your secure crypto partner. Get in the game at kraken.com. It was a good night, too, for Bitcoin and the other cryptocurrencies out there. But Robbie Cornthwaite, I'm not sure if he's into the crypto, but he loves his soccer, former Socceroo. Keep up, AU, and part of the SBS World Cup coverage. Robbie, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, gentlemen. What did you make of that game last night, mate? Alvarez, very good. And, of course, that run from Messi, sensational at the end. Yeah, I mean, Argentina were one of the favourites coming into this uh, competition. Um, a lot of uh, sort of destiny around what they're achieving at the moment. Almost a year to the day since Maradona uh, passed away. And now Lionel Messi trying to equal his great feats and become the greatest of all time. And from what he showed in the semi-final against Croatia, you mentioned that run he went on. Uh, oh, the just watching it now. Was, uh, it was unerring, wasn't it? The penalty as well. So um, you'd be a brave man to write them off, but we know football's a funny game. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly creating a lot of headlines and, and a, a really uh, you know, poetic storyline in this World Cup. Yeah. Uh, Robbie, France and Morocco play tonight. Uh, who have you got Argentina playing? Well, I've got them definitely playing France, but oh. I mean, you cannot write this Moroccan side <laughs> off. I've written them off like everyone else. <laughs> like Cinderella everyone else. story. I've written them off in the, in the group stage, in the round of 16, in the quarterfinal, and yeah. now I'm writing them off in the semi. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you say, Cinderella story, um, I think they're the lowest ranked team into the semifinals for about 30 years. So amazing what they've been able to achieve. First African side through to a semi, first African side to ever win a shootout. Um, there's so much going on for them. They're, they're a great team. I mean, they've conceded one goal in the whole tournament, which was an own goal. Um, but, you know, as a defensive as they are, when they get the ball, they do look to play. They've got some great, um, some great players, obviously, Hakimi and, and Ziyech, Ziyech the, the two most popular names. But, yeah, once they get the ball, they, they look to keep it and they can go forward. And uh, I've said this stat before, but they average about 30% possession, but not once in the whole tournament has the opposition had more shots on target than them in a game. So although they give up 70% of the ball, they're still getting more, well, the same chances as the opposition. So just shows how well that they're set up. But France and Kylian Mbappe, you would expect them to have too much for them. Just going back to Argentina, sometimes when you have a superstar on your team, we speak all about that superstar. But what about some of their other players? Alvarez had an outstanding day as well. He kicked the the brace, got the two goals. But the other big names in that team, can you mention a few of those? So it's not just about the great man, Messi. 
No, I think that's what Scaloni, the manager, has done so well. He's been able to find a way to, to balance the team so that not everything is on Messi's shoulders. And because of that, he's been able to shine. I mean, he's 35 now. He obviously doesn't get through the running. I think I read somewhere he's um, the player who's walked the most in the whole tournament. Um, but you mentioned Alvarez, the Paul in the midfield, dogged uh, midfielder who's doing a lot of that groundwork at the back, Otamendi and, and Romero, who was out for a long time leading into this tournament. Um, they've all picked up the slack. They've all played extremely well. Um, they know what Messi's strengths are. You know, sometimes you've got a passenger in your, in your team and, and maybe even in, in, in the AFL, and you think to yourself, like, is this guy going to run? And, you, and you, it ends up tearing the team apart. Well, in this case, it's, you know what, we're going to do everything we can so that this bloke, when he gets the ball, he can do what he does best and, and be so da- uh, damaging and menacing. Obviously, the goalkeeper as well, um, Martinez, he's, he's been fantastic. Um, so, yeah, they've had a lot of good contributors, but uh, obviously Messi gets all the headlines. And if they go on to win the World Cup, I don't think his teammates will mind it too much. We spoke a bit before about how important it is to have that player who can just make something happen. What about in Australian Expecto. ranks? Do we have, and I'm not going to go as far as saying Messi, do we have one coming through? But in terms of young talent out there, in time, could we have somebody that could score regularly on the big stage? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at Messi, he's obviously that technical, creative player. It's in his blood. You, you don't become that type of player without growing up where he grew up. You have to have that hunger. You have to have a ball at your feet. 24-7, in the, in the street, in the house. You have to be dribbling it around. You know, in Australia, when we play as youngsters, it's, it's about enjoying yourself. It's about playing two or three times a week, having a good time, and, and then it's not until a bit later um, you sort of develop and start thinking, oh, you know what, I might try to take this seriously and become a professional footballer. So it's not to say we can't develop a messy, but it's going to be, you know, it's like that nature versus nurture. His environment is what mm-hmm. makes him what he is in more ways than one. So we've got some extremely talented players coming through. Riley McGree, South Australian, um, started every game uh, as an attacking midfielder. Aidan Rustich as well, um, in that same sort of vein, uh, attacking midfielder, plays his football in Italy, was injured for a lot of the, of the, the tournament. But, yeah, we've certainly got some creative players who we hope can go on um, and crack it in you know, some of the big leagues in Europe. But um, in terms of producing a Messi, it's going to be very, very difficult. Hey, Robbie, Tim from Applecross is texting. He wants to know if you're surprised De Maria hasn't been playing more for Argentina. Well, he is a bit of an X factor as well. He's, he's not uh, young anymore. I think Argentina, from memory, I might be wrong, but I think they started the most players over the age of 35 ever in a World Cup in the opening game. And, and Di Maria is one of those. So it's a long tournament, quick turnarounds every three days. You don't know how his body holds up, but, uh, you know, they're in the final now and I wouldn't rule out him starting or potentially coming on and having a massive impact. Wonderful career, um, huge contributor to Argentinian, uh, Argentine football and, um, yeah, maybe not surprised because they're into a final, so whatever Scaloni's been doing, it's been working. Rob, yesterday our producer Chris caught up with Glory CEO yeah. Anthony Radage. This Went is some of what own. he had to say on the debacle going on at the moment in regards to New South Wales getting the grand final for the next three years. Let's take a listen and then get your thoughts. Well, I was consulted probably a week and a half ago, something about something like that, um, and made aware um, that that had been ratified by the APL board, um, of which we you know we don't have a presence on that board. Um, that this would be taking place, but in terms of you know, the, the financials and how that would benefit clubs and the like um, in terms of, you know, whether that would be reinvested in clubs or reinvested back into the sport or what prize monies would be concerned or how that money would be put to assisting fans to get over the eastern states and the like, we're a little bit unclear on. So from that point of view, um, really was a bit unclear. 
certainly from, from our club's point of view, my personal point of view, um, straight up, you know, in terms of, you know, what it would have meant um, from an integrity and equity sort of point of view in the spirit of a national, truly national competition, it didn't, didn't make a lot of sense. So yesterday, an extraordinary day, another one, marathon meetings, a resignation, talks long into the night, finally a release, a release and then the grand final decision sticks. How have you seen this play out? Yeah, it's not been a good uh, couple of days or 48 hours for uh, the A-League and for Australian football in general. We we know how much goodwill the Socceroos brought during their campaign and looking to springboard off the back of that, but that seems to have... Uh, taken all the helium out of the balloon it's more of a lead balloon at the moment um and you've seen the uproar on social media and in in the news it's um it's quite uh, remarkable really that they didn't reverse the decision i think that was the expectation when they called the emergency meeting last or yesterday afternoon i thought you know i think most fans would have believed that they were going to make an announcement to say that they decided that it uh, it wasn't going to go through but yeah, with the with the the signatures, I believe of all the clubs bar one. So even though we've just heard from the Perth Glory uh, CEO or football operations manager, um, yeah, I believe Perth Glory Tony Sage, his name's on that piece of paper. Um, they put out a uh, a graphic last night on Facebook and had all the signatures of the owners and and people involved in the club. Like I say, bar Melbourne Victory, that was later taken down. So whether that was a mistake, I'm not too sure. But, I mean, for the, just for the fans, this has just shown um, the fans that really they're not at the forefront of the thinking. You know, we've, we've seen, uh, and I've even said, without the fans, there is no game. Um, you know, people say now the competition's compromised. In a way, it's compromised anyway because we play three rounds, so you don't have a, an even sort of set of games. It's the same case in the AFL. I mean, you could say the AFL competition's compromised as well. It's the way Australian sport... Um, has been developed and, and, you know, it's not always an even playing field due to money and, and things like that. But to take the grand final or the opportunity to play a grand final away at home for all of these sides for the next three years is just absolutely baffling. And, um, yeah, I think there's going to be a massive fallout, obviously. Fans are saying they're going to walk out of games. And, um, yeah, I've got a podcast to record in a little while with um, a Melbourne Victory player. So it would be interesting to get a, a, the thoughts of a player because, um, yeah, we haven't really heard from many players and, and even some clubs have been a little bit quiet too. So, yeah, a lot's going on. I want to say a lot to play out, but it looks as though they've uh, made their decision now and, um, mm. and they're going to stick with it. Is there any chance it can work? And, and what would be, the say, the crowd number, I guess, to say that it has been successful? Well, this is the thing. I think if you look at last year's grand final, Melbourne City and Western United, I don't know for a fact, but I believe the, that they would have lost money on that grand final when you, you think about the attendance. This deal, in my eyes, guarantees a profit mm. regardless of who was in the grand final. So although, yes, if Western United played Central Coast Mariners and it was in Sydney, you're not going to get a massive crowd. You wouldn't get one anyway. That's the, I, I think that's the argument. If you played it... In Melbourne, Western United versus Central Coast Mariners, you wouldn't get a big crowd anyway. So maybe they've said, well, let's take it to Sydney. We still get a small crowd, but we're guaranteed to put some money in our pockets. So I think they see this as maybe a bit of a safeguarding of the game. And after three years, maybe they open it up to tenure and other states can bid for it. Um, but uh, on face value, it, it doesn't look good. And it's... Um, Put a lot of noses out of joint, that's for sure. Robert, you know how you get a big crowd? You get Perth Glory in there, the record crowd in the A-League. <laughs> I was right. there, mate. I was there for that one. <laughs> Absolutely. We went down. But, uh, we won't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, the crowd was good, though. Well, the crowd was really yeah. good. Thanks for your time, mate. Hopefully another big game tomorrow morning.
Thanks, guys. See you later. Robbie Cornthwaite there. Keep up AU. Check some of his work out. And like a leading keeper with Kraken, your crypto is in good hands. Kraken.com.